0: I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. This series of podcasts is aimed at financial planning professionals and also those who are looking to enter the financial planning profession. We will be talking during the podcast about all things certified financial planner certification related, talking to other CFPs around the world. And also we will be dropping in on some new entrants who've just entered the financial planning profession and we'll be checking up along the way on a regular basis with them to see how they're getting on. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. And today I am joined by a very special person who is a newly qualified certified financial planner, and that is David Burgess from Bloomsbury Well. Hello, David.
1: Hi, Jackie.
0: Welcome to the show. And today we are going to talk all about your journey to obtaining your certified financial planner license, aren't we?
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: (laughs) So... Let's start at the very beginning and tell me how you got into the financial planning profession.
1: Basically, what happened was I had been, so I'd been seen, I had been to see a few financial advisors with my mum. One was um, during the global financial crisis when um, she asked me to have a look at the portfolio and to meet the advisor and um you know it was once the portfolio had fallen by 40% and she'd been happy with him up until that point because i think it had done okay and then all of a sudden when things went bad she got really worried i met with him she hadn't really been getting financial advice it was more just he was managing the investment portfolio. Um, I was working at Mitsubishi at the time. So I was kind of in finance, which is probably why my mum asked me to have a look. And I just saw a list of names that I'd never heard of. It seemed pretty risky. And so um, she ended up liquidating, which ended up being pretty much at the bottom of the market. Uh, no. Which Yes, which I now know is the sort of big mistake. But of course, at the time, I didn't know that. So I guess that was my first experience of, let's call it financial advice. And then what happened was, when I was doing my MBA, uh, a long time later, my stepfather, um, my stepfather, sadly passed away. Um, and my mum then sort of had some money that, again, she was looking to invest. This was many years later. And so this time, we went to see quite a number of advisors. We met with some uh, IFAs. And we also met with someone from St. James's Place. And basically, um, we, were m- we were more impressed by the advisor that we met at St. James's Place and with the others And it so happened, it's a bit of a coincidence, really, that I think that night, I was at a bar with a friend, and I was speaking to the friend's father. And the friend's father was head of business development for the city office of St. James's Place. Mm -hmm. And I just met with an advisor from St. James's Place. And I can't remember how the conversation started, but we started talking about it. And it was only then that I understood what the business model was at SJP. The fact that you can be, you can basically set up your own business underneath this huge brand FTSE one hundred company, and he just made it sound like a very attractive opportunity. And because I was on my MBA in Barcelona, I was really thinking seriously about what to do next, and I still hadn't figured that out. Um, I decided to interview with St James's Place, and it was actually the only firm I interviewed with in. Yeah. Wealth management. I I I wasn't sort of interested in any other job within it. I probably would have done something different. Actually, I think, if it hadn't have been um, for the fact that they offered me a place at St James's Place, and I yeah, and so that's that's how I kind of got into the profession. Um, And what I would say is. I I sort of became passionate about financial planning whilst I was at SJP, because it became quite clear to me that actually the best advisors there, especially the best newer advisors, they were all doing financial planning. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether they were doing it to the standards that some are, um, I don't know, probably not. But they were, you know, they were using Voyant, they were you know trying to do financial planning and it was quite clear to me that that was the direction of travel and that wasn't wasn't something i'd ever experienced before um so that's kind of that's how i got into it i um yeah it was from joining sjp
0: and then obviously you're not at sjp anymore so there there must have come a point where you wanted to change and you looked elsewhere for you know for positions available at uh, you know, were they uh, more specialised financial planning firms, and what was the reason that you did that?
1: So, what happened was, is when I was when I was um, at SJP, I started reading lots of investment books, which I hadn't done before joining. And the more I read, the more I got interested in it, and it became quite clear to me that, you know, very very few active managers outperform the market um it's very difficult to identify them in advance so i started becoming convinced really that the st james's place approach to investment management was highly unlikely to deliver better performance than just investing in sort of a, a you know a, a passive fund yeah and so it was a combination of me sort of not really believing in the investment approach combined with the fact that I didn't like the fee structure, I wasn't comfortable with the initial or the exit fees. And so I didn't charge any of those with, with the clients that I did bring on board. Um, and so as a result, it sort of didn't really get paid. And I, I just felt that the business model didn't really suit me. I sort of asked myself the question. I sort of I thought forwards 10, 15, 20 years and I thought, you know, if I had all of my family, all of my friends, everyone I know, as a client here, would I feel that I've brought them to the best possible, let's call it platform? And the answer to that was no. And once I'd come to that conclusion, I realized that I had to leave. Um, And what I did was, I think I, I, I read, One of the books I read was Tim Hale's Smarter Investing. And I think I learned about Dimensional through that book. I can't quite remember, but I definitely learned about Dimensional. And I started to think, and I think, you know, Carl Richards talks about them. And I was following, I mean, I was reading quite a bit. I was following quite a few blogs um, and it became clear to me that Dimensional was sort of um, an an asset manager that was sort of, um, you know, that was worth exploring further. And so I just called them. And I said to them, look, um, I'm thinking of leaving St. James's Place. Um, I'm interested in your investment approach. I would like to know which firms you work with in the UK because I want to join one of those firms. And um, they were very kind and uh, gave me a a list of eight firms in the UK um, that would be prepared to talk to me. I I think I had to send them my, my CV and stuff. Um, and then I spoke to those and, and Bloomsbury was one of those firms. And and so that's how I joined Bloomsbury.
0: Excellent. Right. And I guess the rest is history, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So far, so good.
0: (laughs) So far, so good. Excellent. That's good to hear. So uh, once you, you know, you arrived at Bloomsbury Wealth, then is that when you first came in contact with the certified financial planner? And then at what point did you say, right? you know, I need to get on with it and achieve it myself.
1: No, so when I was at but SJP, I think within my first year, I was already speaking to sort of the head of business development and saying, look, I, I think I should probably be getting chartered status because the types of clients that I want to go off to are probably going to shortlist people on the basis that they have to be as qualified as you can get. Um, and at the time, because SJP's focus is so much on business development, because which makes sense because as an advisor there, if you don't bring on board clients, you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. And so you can't feed yourself. Um, he sort of advised me to to wait and to focus on the business development stuff first. And what then happened was as I was following these sort of bloggers, let's say, um, you know, the Ritt Holtz crew and uh, Carl Richards, Michael Kitzes, those types of people, it just became very clear to me that in the US, everyone who was talking about financial planning had the CFP. So I then started to think, well, actually, if I'm, you know, and so then I looked into what the CFP was, and it became clear that it was kind of, you know, the the gold standard of excellence really in the financial planning profession. So I then thought to myself, well, actually, rather than going for chartered status, which only really applies to the UK, I might as well go for for the global sort of uh, the global standard, which is CFP. And actually, before leaving SJP, I spoke to the head of um, training and development um, there, and I said to him, "Look, you know, if you were in my shoes and you had and you were thinking, you know, chartered or CFP, I was I was just trying to find out more from him what the CFP uh, process looked like to get it because I didn't really know that at that point. And and basically, not only did he sort of tell me what the process looked like and the training." Um, That was out there. But he also just said to me, if I was in your shoes, I would do CFP because it actually the process that you have to go through to get it really is kind of what financial planning looks like, whereas chartered is more passing sort of technical exams on various modules that apply to wealth management. So, so that's why I then decided, so I'd actually made the decision that I wanted to do the CFP before joining Bloomsbury. So the fact that at Bloomsbury, you kind of have to have the CFP in order to be an advisor, you know, that, that was fine by me because that had been my plan anyway.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah. So let's talk about your journey to gaining your CFP. Um, did, what what was the first step because obviously you were qualified to level four did you have to sit the level six exam
1: so I did um I sat the level six exam um and I actually got some help for that as well um so I I um I think it was Gla- Glasgow Consulting yep. I did I think it was um sort of a couple of sessions that I did with him um, and with a few other people it was kind of an online course and I found that helpful um you know I, I've sort of always been one of these people that when there's help um when, when there's help available I like to explore that help because it can be a big time saver yeah. and um so I found it useful I then did the three-hour exam um which I I didn't find it easy. Um, I didn't find it hard compared, obviously, to the case study, which I found a lot harder and which I think help was really, really necessary. But, you know, I got the help. Um, I thought the course was good. I passed the exam, no problem. And yeah, and then with the level seven case study, as you know, Jackie, um, I joined your online course immediately. Um, yep. Because I knew I was told very clearly, really, that the level seven case study was very difficult and you really it was worth getting help for that. Whereas with the exam, some people said you probably don't need the help. And some people said, well, it can't hurt. So I so I went for the help. Yeah. Um. And if you know, for me, I don't think I would have passed it. I mean, I'm sure I wouldn't have passed it if it wasn't for the help. So yeah. I think for the level seven case study, it's a massive time saver um Yeah, so I, I definitely would recommend it to anyone listening.
0: And so, you know, you passed your you passed your level six. You went straight on, didn't you? Got your level seven case study and went dived headlong in. So, well, actually, as I recall, did you do that, or did you you kind of got the course, looked at the information, and then got your case study? I think.
1: So I think um I don't think I did it immediately because I, and I think it was just a case of um, I had some sort of summer plans. So I didn't feel that I would be able to dedicate the time that was required over the summer months to doing it. So I think I skipped. So I think I got my exam result, and then there was an option to do it pretty quickly to start doing it. And I, I think I delayed it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but what, what I did was I joined, um, I joined your online course and I think I mean, I think it's 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 really crucial to have a framework for how to tackle it because otherwise, I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't have any experience of trying it without having a framework, and I guess, you know, I've listened to some of your other blogs from people who've done the CFP who maybe didn't get the help immediately, and um, and and they can you know, they talk a little bit about what it was like for them, but for me, without having had that framework of how to tackle it. I just probably would have gone at it in the from from the wrong, you know. I, I would have done things in the wrong order, and I think mm-hmm. if I'd done things in the wrong order, it just would have taken me more time, been more challenging than it already was. Yeah. So I think having the framework which you clearly outline in your course of you know what to do in what order was extremely valuable. Um, yeah. So I so I again really do recommend that because otherwise. Otherwise, what you have is a case study and you have an idea of how long this report is going to be, which is kind of 60 pages. And and you sort of it, it's hard to know where to start. Yes, um, it is. Yeah. So I, I think without any help, I mean, I really think I think it's challenging enough with help. I think without help, it's yeah. extremely difficult.
0: I did speak to somebody who posted on LinkedIn a few weeks ago that they had finally, I think, very exasperatingly and finally passed their level seven to gain their CFB. And I thought, oh, I don't recognize that person. So I congratulated them on LinkedIn. And then they messaged me back and said, Jackie, I meant to say that I did it just using your free information on your website, but it was the most painful thing that I've ever done in my entire life. And I wish that I'd done the course. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know I for, for me, it's a, it's a real no-brainer uh, yeah. because of the amount of time it saves. Yep. Um, so yeah. So let's
0: dive into the detail of how you got on with the case study, and tell us a little bit about you know your individual approach, and were there particular areas uh, of building your financial plan that you struggled with?
1: Yeah. So for me, actually. Um, The thing that I struggled with the most was the building the Excel spreadsheets. Because I'd never really used Excel much. And it's sort of on the MBA, I was known as the person who would outsource all the Excel work to the others. And then (laughs) I'd be happy to present the results to the room. So while some people find presenting quite scary and don't want to do that side of things, I was happy to do that, provided I didn't have to build the spreadsheets. (laughs) And it sort of came back to bite me a little bit um, when I had to do the CFP. So for me, that was the biggest challenge. But it definitely wasn't the only challenge, um, and you know, again, I—it's I, it, quite hard because I did the course and I had the guidance of how to tackle it and in what order to tackle the various areas. Um, you know I, I don't know how I would have approached it without that but so it was the so I I guess the, the, for me the biggest challenges are the X for me it was Excel and how to build those spreadsheets and I got lost in the spreadsheet at one point and got really stuck and then couldn't couldn't fix the problem without help which you which you helped me with um but then um it's also a case of you've got these various areas that you need to think about so you need to think about kind of protection and retirement and estate planning and i think that combined with the spreadsheets and doing the things in the right order is is really important because otherwise i could see how you could get very frustrated
0: yeah,
1: yeah. um because as you say it's kind of this big puzzle that you need to kind of you, you know you need to fit sort of fit sort of fit it together yeah and um if you don't do things in the right order i imagine solving that puzzle is all the more challenging
0: it is it is indeed it's my famous 3d jigsaw puzzle isn't it that people are sick and tired of me talking about over the years now <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it's very true and i think also that you're know, kind of being able to understand what the what the numbers are doing in your spreadsheets so that when you move on to the second objective and then the other subsequent objectives because obviously in this case study you're tackling four major objectives of the client in one great big go aren't you which actually in real life you know you probably don't do that on a regular basis do you
1: no exactly exactly and and then you've got so many spreadsheets that feed you know that kind of are linked to other spreadsheets and if you if you don't know how to structure that 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 well i would imagine you end up getting in a complete muddle mm. um so uh, yeah again i i i think for, for for anyone who's not confident on on excel i mean you do walk this you you walk through this on your online course and i think that's very helpful um, and, and for some people that would be enough. But for me, because I did get so stuck um and I couldn't get myself unstuck, I then personally found that doing kind of the one-on-one uh, bit with you was, you know, made all the difference for me. And I, I, I don't think I would have been able to do it without that. Yeah. But yeah. I so I You know, the the first step is getting the framework and knowing how to structure the spreadsheets. And I think you get that from the online course. But then every case is different, obviously. Mm -hmm. And if you do end up getting stuck, I mean, I spent hours and hours and hours trying to unravel some mistakes in my spreadsheet. And I just was getting more and more stuck, more and more frustrated. And it was wasting time and and I you know if you get to that point I really do think it's it's worth you know if someone does your course it's worth reaching out to you about that because again that for me that was that was super helpful you need the help don't you yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah
0: and and so you know after all that (laughs) you kind of you got there in the end you sent in your first submission did you pass on your first submission
1: no so my first submission was actually set Sort of um, semi-complete. I mean, it, it, I, I knew I wasn't going to pass, which was a good thing because I wasn't sort of um, disheartened when I got the results back, which were you know terrible. I, um, because all I did was I submitted the introduction and the assumptions, and that was it. So there was no spreadsheets because I because at that point I, I'd been so stuck that I I couldn't you know there was nothing to submit really. Yeah. Um, so so I just sent that just because I wanted because I, because I wanted to submit something. Um, you need to submit something I think in order to then have another go at it Uh, but uh, but I also wanted to just get those sections checked to see whether those sections were okay because then it just meant maybe that I'd have less work to do for the second submission yeah um yeah so I didn't pass the first time and I was very surprised to pass the second time actually um (laughs) but very very happy to pass (laughs) I can tell you that very happy um and yeah, it it you know it's it it's um the reason that I was surprised that's that I was surprised that I passed was I I guess you know you you're you're told you need to pass, I think what is it, 65% overall. Yes. Um and and it's quite hard to know what that looks like. You know, what is yeah. a 65% pass mark look like? And I I just knew that you know that it wasn't that it was by no means perfect my report and I felt that it could have been improved. um, But I just ran out of time, really, Mm. in the end, you know, I spent many, many hours on it. Um, So when I submitted it, I thought, well, you know, it it, it could pass, which was important. I, I, I thought it could pass. But I just, I, I didn't want to get my hopes up, I guess. And I just yeah. thought it wouldn't. And then I thought I'd be down to the third submission, which I thought yes. it's kind of, yeah, which is really where you don't, where you don't want to be. Because I think then, you know, if you do not pass, you have to start the whole thing all over again with a new case. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was very relieved.
0: I think time management is one of the key aspects with this. And, you know, it it is level seven. So it's a bit like doing, you know, it's the same level as a master's degree. Yeah. and you know with that again you know it's all about time management and you know 10 weeks which you've got to complete your financial plan it it runs away with you but i think particularly if you if you struggle in different areas then you go down these rabbit holes don't you and you're kind of never seen again
1: yeah exactly i mean the, the i think the challenge that i had was You know, I I came back to it at the very beginning of that 10-week or I think it was 12-week window actually for the second submission. So I had a little bit more time, which was nice. But I then went back to my spreadsheet and I and I went back to your course and redid the whole course again, and then went to the spreadsheet and tried to figure out where I where I had gone wrong. And I spent weeks trying to do it myself. And actually, I think it was about a month before the second submission. That I actually got in touch with you and said, "Look, I'm totally stuck, and I really need some help with the spreadsheet." And you then suggested that we have a one-on-one uh, session, mm-hmm. and you know that, and then that sort of got me unstuck. And then I was in such a race against time because it's a sixty-page report, and I hadn't—I'd written just the introduction and the assumptions bit, and so I had to, you know, I had to basically write the whole thing. Um, and yeah, so I, I was in a real race against time at the end. Mm-hmm. And if I could rewind, I would have contacted you sooner in that yeah. second submission window when I knew I was stuck and I would have had that session with you sooner. Cause then I would have been under less pressure, but yeah. it, is what it, is and it is what it is. It is yeah. what it is. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, on, on the plus side, I think I did get help very soon. I mean, I, I, I signed up to your course before doing the first submission, um and, and just for me personally i think it you know uh, yeah it really makes all the difference doing that because it's really really challenging it takes a lot of time um and so i really do recommend it to anyone And then anyone that I do speak to, I do say, do the course, do the course, do the course. Um, So, (laughs) yeah.
0: That's another 50 quid I owe you. Uh,
1: Thanks very much.
0: So, talking of hours, do you have a rough feel for how long this whole shebang took you to get through the level seven case study, including both submissions?
1: Okay. So, how many hours was it that you said? Did you say 100 hours roughly? I think think about
0: 150. Yeah.
1: One hundred and fifty. Okay, I remember Chris Morris. I think saying at the C.I.S.I. that it was around two hundred hours. Mm-hmm. It was what he'd recommend. You're just quite fast, Jackie. Um, <laughs> I, I would say it took me probably two hundred hours on each submission, but I'm right. I'm I, I'm a bit slow. Uh, well, I'm not <laughs> a bit slow. Maybe I'm a bad average. I don't know. It, it, I I would I would I would say that two, you know it can easily take two hundred hours. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, that's how much time I would allocate better to err yeah. on the side of caution.
0: And I think, you know, people learn in different ways. And like you were saying, you know, when you get stuck on something, sometimes you can unravel yourself and sometimes you can't, sometimes you get in deeper. And so you can't know just from looking at the case study, you know, how it's all going to pan out. So, you know, I guess it's back to that time management again, isn't it? That if you, you know, if you plan your time, you know, uh, a little bit better maybe like you're saying if you had your time again then actually you know you kind of you would have maybe if you had your time again would have you have you know done more on your first submission to make the or you know you know that uh, relieve the pressure a little bit more for that second submission maybe
1: yeah I mean I think it's always makes sense to err on the side of caution and in your mind if you're sort of um planning out your timetable you know thinking to yourself it's going to take longer so i I would allocate 200 hours and and for me um you know it 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 sort of it takes as long as it takes and i think if you want to look after kind of complex clients and you want to get to the top of your of this profession i don't see how you can do that without getting it no so for me it's kind of it, it it's almost kind of just to, just to get you started. Um, I mean, I, I think Rob said to me after I'd passed, when I was kind of elated about it, he said, um, "You know, it's a bit like passing your driving test. Getting the CFP, you've passed your test. It doesn't mean you're a good driver." And I do think that he's right. Mm. For me, it's like it, it's kind of you need to get it because that just that kind of allows you to get into the into the game, let's call it that. Yeah. Um, but then to become a really good financial planner, I think takes a lot of experience takes a lot of practice, um you know. So it, it, it's just the beginning, really. Yeah, um, I, I think yeah. my
0: dad said to me when I passed my driving test. Now you can learn to drive. Exactly, <laughs> so it's like that, isn't it?
1: I know exactly. And, yeah, you know, yeah. So, so
0: now you have had a. There's been a few months now since between receiving your uh, result and jumping up and down in the office, and <laughs> you know you've had a little bit of time to digest all of the journey. And uh, looking back now, has it changed? You as a financial planner, the way that you help clients, the way that you approach the situation with clients, you know, have you used that knowledge to, you know, improve business processes at Bloomsbury?
1: So what I what I would say is because I'm at Bloomsbury and Bloomsbury really do follow the kind of six-step CFP process. Um I, I would say that it, it hasn't really changed the way I approach things because you know, I, I was introduced to this way of solving these problems from the moment I joined Bloomsbury, and it's one of the reasons I joined. Um, so I I would say in my case it it hasn't really changed the way that I think about financial planning because I was already I you know I was thrust into a a system which very much does financial planning the proper way. Um, but I guess if I hadn't have been at Bloomsbury, and let's say I'd still been at the SJP, then it would have been very different from what I'd experienced up until that point. Mm. Um, so I'd say, you know, if if, if you know if, if you're already working at a at a financial planning firm which really does follow the CFP process, which Bloomsbury does, I think it helps to complement that, but it doesn't necessarily shift your or change your perspective. It, yeah. it just helps you maybe to to appreciate why they do things in certain ways if you hadn't appreciated it before that. Yeah, but yeah, I think,
0: absolutely.
1: but I think for most, you know, for most people, because the way that I see, you know, people sort of talk about financial planning and financial advice and separate them. For me, financial planning is simply financial advice done right. I, I think it's you know, if you're cre- you know, if, if you want to do if you want to give someone thorough personalized financial advice. There's no better way of doing that than building a financial plan for them and by going through the financial planning process, because ultimately what it requires is a thorough evaluation of their circumstances, their needs and their objectives. And it, once you get all that information, you're then in a position to give them far better, far more customized advice. So for me it's just financial advice done right. Mm-hmm. Um and I do feel that the direction of travel in the in the wealth management profession you know more broadly is in that direction because more and more people realize that asset manage, asset management has become you know a commodity for the most part so yeah. um so yeah so I think I think you know I think for for, for most people who are, let's maybe in the industry and maybe for those who aren't already working for a financial planning firm CFP through and through like Bloomsbury, I think going through that process would open their eyes to a way of giving financial advice that's maybe more thorough and more customised than they've ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I would really recommend it. Uh, I would recommend going through that process. Yeah.
0: And we're nearly out of time already. Um. So let let me just finish by asking you one last question, if I may. If you had... Uh, somebody in front of you who was thinking about starting their journey to gaining their CFP certification today. Do you have any advice or tips for them?
1: Um I do. And and just to be clear, um I'm not being paid by Jackie <laughs> <laughs> to say this, but I I, I I did have this question before and I and all I wrote down was get help, get help, get help. <laughs> and I really do think that that that, that will save so much time. And and it, it really made the difference for me. And the other thing that I also did was I did uh, listen to the podcast episodes, um, the Financial Planning Maestro podcast episodes with those who just done it as well. And I wrote down all the tips that they gave, which also helped when I was sort of submitting my plan. So that So that's what I would do. I would you know just just get as much help as you can it really is a challenging um it's really challenging and 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 yeah that's that's what i would recommend
0: challenging but worthwhile in the end
1: yeah definitely (laughs) excellent
0: (laughs) right david david that's all we have time for today thanks very much for joining me
1: thank you very much jackie
0: really interesting, isn't it, to listen to different people who have different experiences of gaining their Certified Financial Planner certification or maybe developing the financial planning profession at large. If you know anybody who you think might be interested in listening to any of these podcasts, then please do pass on our details. That's it for me. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. See you again soon. Bye for now.